All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for coming this morning. And uh, hopefully this will be a blessing to you. We're going to finish up. Um, temporarily, we're going to finish up our study in Proverbs. And I've been currently going through what Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7 through 9, what this man is, is, has prayed that the Lord would uh, deliver him from. He says, you know, keep me from lies, uh, keep me from vanity and lies. He says, give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee. And say, who is the Lord? Or at least I'd be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. And so um, he is uh, praying that the Lord would deliver him from um, what I, uh, what uh, Ecclesiastes points out. And I can't take credit for this. Of course, this is somebody else's uh, insight into the book of Ecclesiastes, but I think it's I think it's very good. I think it's something that's worth sharing with everybody else. But we've been going through these. T- I think there's like ten human vanities that Ecclesiastes addresses, and I have them listed listed up here on the board: wisdom, labor, purpose, rivalry, avarice, fame, and satiety. I think that's how that's pronounced. Coveting, which we covered last week. So now we're going to co- now we're going to finish with the last two. Frivolity, that's just a fancy term for good times. And then human reward. So the vanity of frivolity and the vanity of human reward. So if you'll turn to your Bibles to the book of Ecclesiastes and uh, look at chapter 7. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. And... Um, <clears throat> Starting here in verse 3. He says, Sorrow is better than laughter, for by the sadness of the countenance of the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. It is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of fools. Okay? Uh, So, um, boy, talk about a depressing passage. You know, but let me start off when we are talking about um, human frivolity. Uh, there is absolutely no sin in having a good time, right? There's absolutely no sin in enjoying life. There's absolutely no sin. Uh, you're not violating God's will if you happen to enjoy life, if you happen to have fun in life. Proverbs 16.20 says, He that handleth a matter wisely shall find good. Whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. Happy is he. Uh, God did not provide us salvation so that we could be a bunch of killjoys. Right? He didn't give us salvation just so we could be a bunch of kill, killjoys. There's too many scriptures that speak to the contrary. Uh, Psalms 21 verse 1 says, The king shall, be jo- shall joy in thy strength, O Lord, and in thy salvation. How greatly shall he rejoice. So we can rejoice. Isaiah 12, 3, Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. So there is, there is joy. There is, there is rejoicing. You remember the woman, uh, the Samaritan woman by the well? 
And she sat there and she spoke with Jesus Christ. She brought her water jug and Jesus asked for a drink of water and they got into that big discussion and the Lord, you know, told her that he was the water of life and so forth and so on. Do you remember when she ran into the village to tell everybody else whom she had met? Do you remember what she left behind? Yeah, she left behind her water jug. Why is that? Well, because she had found the water of life. So she was rejoicing. So in my mind, I'm picturing this woman ran back to the village full of joy. And with this joy expressing, you've got to come and meet him. You've got to come and talk with this person. You've got to come and see him for yourself. And I think there was a lot of joy that was infectious with her when she went out to tell about Jesus. And so these folks in her village went to, went to find out, okay, who is this person that she's so excited about? Habakkuk 3.17 through 19, he says, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. That doesn't sound like a good time, does it? Yet, verse 18, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds' feet. And he will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. Now, Habakkuk was a man who lived during a time when God's judgment was falling upon the land. And all you know, and, and when judgment falls upon the land, folks, that's not a good time. That's not a good time. But where was his source of joy? Even though the land was undergoing judgment, where was this man's source of joy? It was in the Lord. It was in the Lord. Even though he was witnessing hard times coming upon his people, in spite of those hard times, he knew the Lord who was the source of his joy. Psalms 51.12, he says, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Here's somebody else. Here is a, here is a man who has sinned greatly. And if you know the story of Psalms 51, he sinned greatly. But yet now he's repentant, and he confesses before the Lord. And what is he asking for the Lord to restore once again? The joy of his salvation. That joy that he foolishly forfeited because of his sin, he wants that back. He wants that back. You know, truly all of, the, from, of, a, of all the people under the sun, we who know the Lord Jesus Christ should be the most joyous. We should be the most happiest. We should be the most joyous. We should be the most happiest. I mean, even the writer of Ecclesiastes, if you're right there in Ecclesiastes, look at Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse 24. Ecclesiastes 2.24, when somebody's there, read it out loud, please. Ecclesiastes 2.24. There is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink, and that he should make his soul enjoy good with his labor. This also I saw, that it was from the hand of Okay, now find Ecclesiastes 3.13. And somebody read that. And also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all his labor is the gift of God. And then one more, Ecclesiastes 5.18. Ecclesiastes 5.18. 
Behold that which I have seen. It is good and comely for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all his people that he taketh under the sun all the days of his life which God giveth him, for it is his portion. So take note. All of this, you can enjoy life. You can enjoy the good of your labor. It is from the hand of God. It is the gift of God. It is the portion that God gives to man. So, you know, it's not sinful for you to enjoy life. It's not sinful for you to enjoy life. Remember what James 1.17 said? He said, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You know, God has provided us with so much to, for us to rejoice in, to be happy. Um, Proverbs 5.18, let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Right? I don't know how many times I hear, about, I hear guys complaining about their wives. Always complain, or wives complaining about their husbands. Proverbs 23-24, the father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have, a jo- shall have joy of him. Proverbs 27.9 Ointment and perfume rejoice the heart so doth the sweetness of a man's friend by hearty counsel. So we see here these relationships that God gives to us in our lives those relationships are meant to bring joy and it is these relationships as they are nurtured in the Lord, these relationships bring us joy. They bring us happiness. Uh, You know, in the beginning, God said it was not good that a man should be alone, didn't he? This is why I point this out, because sadly, there are so many folks who choose to live lonely lives. They choose to live isolated lives, cut off from others, for whatever reason. For whatever reason. And when you do that, when you cut yourself off from others, especially if you cut yourself off from other believers, you're going to have a miserable life. You're going to have a miserable life. God has created these relationships for us to be blessed by, to be benefited by, and for us to be a blessing and a benefit to others as well. So these relationships are important to be nurtured in the Lord. And there's one other relationship that's extremely important. 1 John 1, 3 and 4 says, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. Okay, there's that relationship with other folks. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, and these things write we unto you that your joy may be, may be full. You see, the greatest relationship that we have is the relationship that we can, we can have with the Father relationship that we can have with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a relationship worthy of nurturing. And that's a relationship worthy of rejoicing. Nehemiah 8.10 tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. The Lord Jesus Christ himself says in John 10.10, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I'm come that, you, that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now that doesn't, only, that doesn't only apply to you know eternal life into the future and the kingdom or in heaven, but that's talking about life here and now. Life here and now. 
that abundant life. And that abundant life isn't focused on one's wisdom or labor, how much money or, you know, any of these other vanities. These all are are lies and they're emptiness. That's why they're called vanities. But yet there are some folks, some of God's people, that choose to walk through life believing that, one, well, if I crack a smile, then I'm, I'm committing a sin. You know, if I, if, if I enjoy myself, then I'm violating some commandment like, thou shalt not have fun, but strive to be miserable. God doesn't want that. That's not what God wants. That's not being a super saint. And then you've got the other extreme, don't you? You've got some folks who live such carnal lives, they call it exercising their liberty in Christ, but they live such carnal lives that it's almost like anything goes. Anything goes. As long as I'm gratified, you know, as long as I'm happy, that's all that matters. Paul writes in Philippians 4, 4, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. You know, when we went through Philippians, I think I mentioned that, that Paul refers to, to joy and rejoicing 17 times in that epistle. 17 times. So I'm thinking, you know, that's a, that's a key word in that, in that epistle. is joy. Yes, I forgot to turn it off. My phone's talking to me, folks. I apologize. Philippians 4.1 says, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved and long for my joy and crown. My joy and crown. You see, Paul rejoiced in these believers. <laughs> How often have we rejoiced in our brothers and sisters in Christ? Instead of grumbling about them, complaining about them, finding fault about them. So clearly the Lord does not want his people to be deprived of joy in this life under the sun while we wait to be with the sun forever. But that's often the mistake perception of many folks. I can't remember how many times I have witnessed to somebody and I've heard this. Well, I, I don't really want to be a Christian yet because there's still so much of life I want to enjoy. Has anybody ever heard that? You know, I still want to have a good time, so I'm not quite ready to, to be a Christian. I'm thinking, what is, your, what is your thinking of what a Christian is, you know? I'm not dressed in sackcloth. I don't have ashes on my head. You know, what is your idea of Christianity? Well, that's the idea that the world gets out there, isn't it? Like, if you become a Christian, then you can't have fun anymore. I, granted, there are some Christians that do portray Christianity that way. The fellow who brought me to the Lord used to have this little mantra. I don't know if I've got it quite right. He says, uh, I don't drink and I don't smoke and I don't chew and I don't go out with girls that do. <laughs> now, I used to say that all the time. Because, you know, the, our co-workers, they would always ask, hey, you know, hey, so-and-so, how come you don't do this? And how come you don't do that? How? And then he'd come up with his little mantra. 
But he always said it tongue-in-cheek. Because then he would go on and explain to them his joy in the Lord and tell them how they could have the same joy. That kind of thing. But yet there are some folks that, that kind of have that, that idea. Man, if I have a good time, then I must be sinning. If I'm having a good time, I must be sinning. There's got to be something wrong in my life. So anyway, it's okay to be happy. Okay? I'm not telling you that. The Bible's telling you that. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to enjoy life. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. What this man is praying about is that he does not want to become ensnared in the vanity of human frivolity. He doesn't want to get ensnared in the human in, in, in the vanity of human frivolity. Come on, guys, we we know that's how countless numbers of people believe about life. I mean, we see it on television, we see it in the movies, we, we read about it, right? Uh, there are countless numbers of people that believe that, that, that life is all about having fun, right? All about having fun. Um, the majority of the people have never left the sandbox in the playground. I know grown-up men who are still building, metaphorically, sandcastles in a sandbox because they're living their life having a good time at the expense of their wife, at the expense of paying bills, at the the expense of... as long as they are having a good time. As long as they have all their toys. Because that's what life is all about. Human, the vanity of human frivolity is, 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 is getting caught up in stuff that really has no value. No importance. This type of person, I'm talking about somebody who, who lives with this mindset, uh, this type of person really never takes life seriously. It's just a big game. It's just a big game. It's to have a good time. That's the most important thing. I'm going to have a good time with what little time I have. Uh, what was that old ad campaign? I might be aging my... Uh, go for the gusto. You remember when that was an ad campaign? Go for the gusto. It's all about having... And then you'll see these commercials of all these young people sitting around laughing and carrying on. and As though that's, that's, that's life. That's what life is all about. But according to the Word of God, that's really a foolish way to live under the sun. Proverbs 5.23 says, He shall die without instruction, and in the greatness of his folly he shall go astray. 
This is why the preacher in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 contrasts this vanity of, of human frivolity with what he's talking about here in, in Ecclesiastes verse, uh, chapter 7 and verse 3. He says, Sorrow is better than laughter, for by the sadness of the countenance the heart is made better. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of the fools is in the house of mirth. For it is better to hear the rebuke of the wise than for a man to hear the song of of fools. Now, he's not being a Debbie Downer or a negative Nelson when he's saying this. But what he's saying is, he says, that's a very foolish way to live one's life. Always in pursuit of having a good time. I think, uh, I know it is, Proverbs says, you know, he that loves wine and oil will never prosper. Why is that? Because they're spending as much as they make on having a good time. Having a good time. There are folks who actually, their whole pursuit in life is to be entertained. Their whole pursuit in life is, is to be happy. The whole pursuit of life is, is, is party, party, party. Do we know somebody like that? I was that at one time. I was that at one time. I lived for the weekend. And sometimes I'd make the weekend show up in the middle of the week. But that was me at one time. Ecclesiastes 11.9, he says, Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. Again, God's not opposed to someone enjoying life. What he's opposed to is living that life in vain. Because he continues on, Ecclesiastes 11, he says, O young man in thy youth, uh, rejoice, O young man in thy youth, let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, walk in the ways of thine heart and the sight of thine eyes, but know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore remove sorrow from thy heart, put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. What he's saying is, you're not going to be young forever. There's going to come a time you've got to grow up. And face life. Get out of the sandbox. And join and, and, and be a part of life. Be a part of life. It's, it's not all about you. And your good time. And your good time. You know, those who pursue being entertained and having fun in life are simply fooling themselves. Because one of these days, it's all going to come to a screeching halt. And will they be prepared for it? Will they be, pre- will they be prepared for it? You know, we all are going to meet that day. You know, boy, old, old Ted, he sure was a good old boy. Boy, he sure had a good old time while he lived. Well, I wonder how Ted's enjoying his afterlife. Folks don't think about that. Or they don't want to think about that. Proverbs 14.18 says, A simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with knowledge. 
Now, the, the mantra of this type is, uh, you know, there's no harm in having fun. Well, that's, that's not entirely true. That's not entirely true. Um, you know, they have the girls just want to have fun. Yeah, girls just want to have fun. Do 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 do. Well, that's that's their mentality. That's their mentality. Let's bring this a little closer to home. And I'm not picking on anybody. All right, so don't get angry at me. You can if you want it, but it's not going to do you any good. Let's just bring this a little closer home. Uh, there are some God's people who will choose to miss church in order to be a part of some form of entertainment. Especially if your team is doing well. Okay, I'm not against that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the mentality of some believers is that. I overheard one man uh, in, in church one day. He said this. He says, I love going to church and all. But Tiger Woods is playing in the Masters. And it's the Masters after all. So what did that man just betray? He betrayed his priorities, didn't he? He'd rather see Tiger Woods playing the Masters than come to church. Am I being mean I apologize if I'm coming across as mean. I don't mean to be mean. I just want folks... You know, I'm there too. I, I do that too sometimes. I think we all do. But I'm just talking about people who... That's, that's, their, that's, their, that's their heart. That's what they're all about. That's what they're all about. That's what, and I don't think you guys are all about that. I don't think you are. But there are some that, that are. Well, here I go again. <laughs> Some folks would rather go to the lake and come to church. Be out on that fishing boat. Exactly. I'm closer to God. That's my great cathedral out there on the lake. Not to forsake the assembly of our Yes, yes, sir. Again, there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. What is God really interested? I say it all the time. He's interested in the attitude of the heart. Where is your heart? Where is your heart? I know I'm a stick in the mud. But I, I don't mean to be. I mean, I've got I've to I've examine my own heart at times. I have to examine my, my own heart at times. It's just this, this mentality of human frivolity, this, this mentality uh, is so subtle. So subtle. Ecclesiastes 11.7 Truly the light is sweet and a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness. For they shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. You know, sometimes with folks who live solely to be happy, solely to have a good time, 
uh, when those bad times happen. They're not really prepared for them, are they? I mean, I, who is really prepared for a bad time? But it seems like to me those folks who, who, who is all about having a good time, when those bad times show up, they really have a difficult time meeting those bad times. Because it doesn't even cross their mind that it's going to happen. Life under the sun is a gift. Gifts are given to be enjoyed. But don't enjoy the gift of life and forget all about the giver of life. Don't do that. That's being frivolous. That's being vain. Enjoy life, but at the same time appreciate the giver of life. Proverbs 25.20 says, As he that taketh away a garment in cold weather... And as as vinegar upon nitra, so is he that singeth songs to a heavy heart. You know, sometimes folks who are frivolous, you know, all they, you know, they're they're just a good time Charlie's. It's all life is just a big sandbox. Um, They're not very good comforters (laughs) when it comes to hard times. Uh, what they want to do is they want to they want to um, they want you to drink your sorrows away. They want you to party your sorrows away. They want you to you know forget that and just let's continue. You can't forget some of these things. You know, you can't party away the hurt of the loss of a spouse or the loss of a child. You just that to me is frivolous. That's insensitive to sing songs to a heavy heart. James 2.15 says, If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? Sometimes the people who are caught up in this frivolousness of life, they can be thoughtless of others. Just plain thoughtless of others. You know, they'll give lip service that they care, but they really don't care. You know, they hear about your hard times and they'll pat you on the head, but that's about as far as it goes. Because what it is, I know I'm being pretty harsh here, but what it is, and I'm talking people who are caught up in this frivolous mentality, you see, your, your sorrow is cramping their happiness. And when it starts cramping their happiness, then they back up away from, from that sorrow. You see what I'm saying? It can be thoughtless of others. Psalms 137.1 By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song and they that wasted us required of us of mirth saying sing us one of the songs of Zion how shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land these are folks who were ripped out of their land 
taken to another land. And then the people who ripped them out of the land and took them captive, they want them to sing some, some happy song from Zion. That's like, you know, um, Canada invading the United States and deporting everybody out of the United States and, and putting us somewhere up in the frozen tundra. And then they want to hear us sing the Star Spangled Banner. Right? You're going to feel like singing like the Star Spangled Banner knowing that your country is in ruins? You've been taken out of your home? But that's, that's the way these folks are who are caught up in this vanity of, of, of human frivolity. They're all about being entertained and they're callous to the pain of others. They're just callous to the pain of others. They're having a good time in life and they just can't understand why everybody else isn't having a good time in life. There has to be a balance. There has to be a balance. And that's what the writer of Ecclesiastes is talking about. Thank you, hon. You're like two points ahead of me. But that's exactly right. There should be a balance. In fact, that's my next verse, Romans 12, 15. Rejoice with them that rejoice, share in their joy. Weep with them that weep, share in their sorrow. There has to be a balance. Life is not all joy and life is not all sorrow. Ecclesiastes 3, 4 says, A time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. You don't dance when people are mourning. And you don't laugh when people are weeping. But yet those who are caught up in this vanity of human frivolity, that's, they, they've got it all screwed up, if I'm allowed to use that term. They got it all twisted and turned around. Proverbs 24:17. the Bible warns, Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth. And let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth. At least the Lord see it and it displease him. And he turn his, way, uh, his wrath from him. I, I was... I, was, uh, I got to be careful here. I was with a brother one day. And someone he didn't like very much had a bad time happen. This brother actually giggled over a fellow brother's pain. No, we don't do that. We don't do that. If we see a, an enemy fall, our immediate response should be pity. They're, they're falling under the judgment of God. Some of the most irreverent people that I know to exist are stand-up comedians. You ever listen to some of these stand-up comedians? Nothing is sacred as long as they get a laugh. As long as they get a laugh. But, you know, we can't really be too hard on the stand-up comedians and their irreverence being irreverent because all they are is a reflection of the irreverent society that we live in and we've created for ourselves. I know I've said this before, but, you know, one one of the subtle ways of irreverence is through cartoons. And you've got cartoons like uh, The Simpsons and Family Guy and there's a few others out there. Have you ever noticed how those cartoons portray God or Jesus Christ? 
Is it always is it always with reverence? No, they make them look like they're buffoons. Incompetent. But they get away with it because it's funny. It's funny. I am not going to finish. Real wad, real wad, Will Rogers once said, everything is changing. People are taking their comedians seriously and their politicians as a joke. Now he said that some time ago. But boy, I tell you what. Truth is truth. It's even applicable today, isn't it? When one lives life as nothing more than a a joke, then an attitude of irreverence settles in about those important things about life. Come on, we see it all the time. We see it all the time. Nothing or or no one is is taken seriously and and all of life becomes nothing more than than a personal pursuit of happiness. Whatever makes me happy is the most important thing there is on earth. And no one or no, or no thing is allowed to disrupt this. Now don't step on my happiness with your sorrow. Not only camouflage is the inevitable, because I'm telling you, in that day, a good punchline is not going to serve you well. <laughs> It's just not. One man wrote, Why do strong arms fatigue themselves with frivolous dumbbells? To dig a vineyard is worthy or exercise for men. The Apostle Paul worded it this way in 1 Timothy 4.8, For bodily exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable in all things, having promise of the life that now is, and that which is to come. We got a lot of dumbbells out there frivolously wasting their lives away. God desires that we live life and we enjoy it. But he also teaches us to live life for the accomplishment of an infinite purpose. Yeah, we are to have fun in life, but we also are to take serious this life because this life is really a stewardship. And one day we will be held accountable for the stewardship of this gift, this life that God has given us. How well did we do is really what's going to be important. Matthew 25:23 His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Bottom line, that's really what we want to hear. Not, well, Ted was a good old boy. No, I want to hear, Jeff, you've done good. Welcome into the joy of your Lord. Human reward. Kind of ties right in here. 
Ecclesiastes 8.14, this is the last vanity. There is a vanity which is done upon the earth, that there be just men unto whom it happeneth according to the work of the wicked. Again, there be wicked men to whom it happeneth according to the work of the righteous. I said that this is also vanity. So the final human vanity, and so we come full circle really, is, a, is the vanity of human reward. And we get right back to that original question that was asked in the, big, in the beginning of Ecclesiastes. If life under the sun is worth living, then what makes it so? Is it human reward? Is it what we get out of this life? Is that really what makes life worth living? Is it the reward of having one's name written in the record books? Is it that next trophy, that next award, that next accomplishment, that next accolade, that next championship? Is it human reward that makes life worth living? You know, for some, I drew a picture up here about a a ball and chain. Some folks are chained to this world in the pursuit of, of the reward that they receive from this world. Their legacy and uh, living on in some dusty animal on some dusty library shelf. Probably written in print so small you need a magnifying lens to find their name. Along with thousands and thousands of other names. The observation made by the writer of Ecclesiastes concerning the vanity of human reward is that, guess what? The wicked man gets gets rewarded just like the righteous man. Sometimes the wicked man seems to get rewarded more than the righteous man. So he says, what's the big deal? If the wicked get rewarded like the righteous and sometimes is even awarded more than the righteous, then why is this vanity of human rewards so important? Why do men strive after this reward? Asaph in Psalm 73, he saw the very same thing. He said in Psalm 73, 3, For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He goes on to complain, you know, God, here I am. He says, I'm walking the straight line. I'm being obedient to you. I'm worshiping you. But it seems like this guy over here who wants nothing to do with you, he's getting along well in life. In fact, he's getting along better than I am. He quotes the lost, he says in Psalm 73, 11, and they say, how doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. They don't care about God, but yet they're being rewarded. They're being rewarded, at least it appears so. Because Asaph, later on in the psalm, he gets his perspective right. Because he sees the big picture. He sees the end of everything. You know, currently there are over 40 entertainment award shows scheduled. Over 30 music award shows scheduled. Well over 300 sports awards (laughs) scheduled. Everything from beach soccer uh, to uh, baseball that is scheduled to take place next year. That's a lot of award ceremonies. One list I perused uh, showed over 400 various rewards 
shows and ceremonies and whatever going and scheduled just for next year. Over 400. Just next year. Can you imagine if you attended it? There's, there's more award shows than there is days in the year. One man said, A fool always finds one still more foolish to admire him. One article I read speaking of those who pursue human reward, uh, particularly uh, fame, uh, explores all these different means that people seek reward from life. Um, Talk about sports, science, medicine, philosophy, religion, politics, all sorts of things. People will even be criminals. They'll even perform criminal acts. To gain recognition. To gain recognition. That's their reward. To gain recognition. So they'll do, they'll do a, a heinous crime. Just so folks will remember them. You know I told you before that we watch on occasion. Uh, the program called American Pickers. And I remember one program. They went into this guy's warehouse. <coughs> And there was bins after bins after bins of of trophies and loving cups and plaques of all sorts. And so they bought it for next to nothing. And you know why they bought it? To melt them down for the scrap. All those trophies, all those loving cups, trash. Trash to be melted down for scrap. Again, the question that Ecclesiastes asked of what value is it to devote your life for human reward? It ends up on a scrap pile. Ends up on a scrap pile. So I looked up the word reward. Some 80 times the word reward is used in your Bible. 80 times. And there are two, for lack of a better term, two classes of people who are rewarded. You want to guess what those two classes are? The wicked and the saints. That's the two classes that will experience reward. The wicked, Deuteronomy 32, 41, If I wet my glittering sword and mine hand take hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to mine enemies and and will reward them that hate me. So, the reward of the wicked is God's vengeance. They hate him. They hate his people. They hate his word. They hate everything about the Lord. So what is their reward? God's vengeance. That's their reward. You ever, hear the feel, you ever hear the saying, well, he got his just reward? That's exactly what it is. It's a just reward. It's interesting, too, because that word reward here, I, I always do this. It's interesting because the word, the Hebrew word is shalom, that speaks of a covenant of peace. 
That's what the word reward is. You see, God desires to be reconciled to man. He desires to have peace with man. But these are folks who reject that offer of peace. If you reject the offer of peace that God gives you, then what is left? God's wrath. God's wrath. If you say no to God's offer of peace, there's really nothing else left. Really nothing else left. God came to offer peace to man, and man slapped his hand away. Don't want anything to do with it. Okay. I'll give you what you want. Psalms 54.3, uh, For strangers are risen up against me, and, oppress, and oppressors seek after my soul. They have not set God before them. Behold, God is mine helper. The Lord is with them that hold my soul. He shall reward evil unto my enemies. Cut them off in thy truth. So in the same thought that those who hate God, those who hate God's people, guess what, guess what their reward is going to be? God, like the good father is, he's going to step in for his children. And he's going to take care of those who oppress his children. He's going to reward those with the same thing that they're rewarding his people with. There's so many other things. Those who corrupt God's word attempt to lead God's people astray. Second Peter chapter 2 talks about this. They'll receive their reward. In fact, in 2 Peter chapter 2, he refers to these people like Balaam. Do you remember Balaam? What happened to Balaam? He was slain. He was slain. Numbers 31 7. He was slain. He was slain. I'm almost done. Then I looked at the, uh, the uh, reward for the righteous. Do you realize, well, you may not realize until I tell you. In that list of rewards for the wicked and the righteous, guess which list is longer? The righteous. The list for the righteous is almost two times longer than the list for the wicked. wicked. So the reward of the righteous is much. Quickly. The saints shall behold the glory of Jesus Christ, John 17, 24, for we will be with Christ, John 14, 3, Philippians 1, 23, being glorified with Christ, Romans 8, 17, Colossians 3, 4, for we shall see Christ as he is, for we will be like Christ, 1 John 3, 1 through 3. The saints will reign with Christ, 2 Timothy 2, 12, sit in judgment with Christ, 1 Corinthians 6, 2, reigning forever and ever with Christ, Revelation 22, 5, in his kingdom which cannot be moved, Hebrews 12, 28. The saints will receive a crown of righteousness, 2 Timothy 4, 8, a crown of glory, 1 Peter 5, 4, a crown of life, James 1, 12, an incorruptible crown, 1 Corinthians 9, 25, and a crown of rejoicing, 1 Thessalonians 2, 19. The reward of the saints is great. Matthew 5, 12 is full. John, uh, 2 John verse 8 is sure. Proverbs 11, 8 is satisfying. Psalm 17, 15 is of incalculable value. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 is of eternal weight of glory. 2 Corinthians 4, 17 never fades away, is never corruptible, and reserved in heaven for you. 1 Peter 1, 4. 
This pros- the prospect of this reward should lead to diligence, Second John verse 8, pressing forward to obtain the prize, Philippians 3.14. In other words, it's a motivation. Enduring suffering for Christ, 2 Corinthians 4.16-8. through 8, uh, 18, being faithful unto death, Revelations 2.10. Whether that faithful unto death is either martyrdom or faithful unto death for natural causes. If you're faithful, you'll be rewarded. We are joint heirs with Christ, Romans 8.17. We will inherit all things in Christ, Revelations 21.7. And so the godly man of Proverbs says, Deliver me from this vanity of human reward. That's just a partial list of the rewards for the righteous. That's just a partial list. But even if that was all the list, that's something. That's amazing. That's amazing. So in the end, what makes life worth it? Knowing God makes life worth it. Knowing God, loving God, serving God, that's what makes life worth it. Ecclesiastes 12:13 let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter fear God and keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing whether it be good or whether it be evil bottom line there is going to come a day of reckoning will you receive the reward of the wicked or will you receive the war, the reward of the righteous for my part I want to receive the reward of the righteous. I don't know about you. And coming to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that's the first step. That's the first step. So that is the conclusion temporarily of our study in Proverbs. Any comments on any of these things that we covered for the past five years? Nothing? Okay. So next week I'm going to get into another study and um, another study uh, that for some reason God has really impressed it upon my heart to, to, to start. So hopefully you'll come for that. But anyway, so let's go ahead and close in prayer so I was able to finish out. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Father, for the truth that contained, that it's, that's there. We thank you, Lord God, for the warnings uh, that it presents to us, Father, so that we would not fall into these pitfalls of human vanity. And Lord God, if we examine our hearts and we do see these things in our own hearts, I pray, Father, that uh, by your strength and by the cleansing of your blood, that we would rid these things of our own hearts and that we would look to you uh, uh, for everything. Lord, you are our joy, you are our strength, you are are our portion in this life. Father in heaven, may we come to the realization of this every day as we walk with you. We thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.